What is good, Bridge Youth? How are we feeling tonight? Yes, sir. Hey, if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and join us in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew in chapter 5. I'm going to take the lighter out of my back pocket and put it right there. you figure out why that's there later. <laughs> um, hey, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Anybody who maybe doesn't know me, my name is Corey. I'm the youth pastor here alongside my wife, Amber. Uh, we get to lead this thing called Bridge Youth. It's crazy. It's wild. It's fun. It's absolutely awesome. Wednesdays are our... Um, it's like the highlight of our week. And so we love that you chose to spend some of your time with us here. Time is one thing that you can never get back, and you chose to give us some of your time. That's so cool. Whether you're watching uh, online or you're here in the room, we're so, so stoked that you are here. We like welcoming our guests every single week by saying this. For us, it never gets old. We like to welcome our guests by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, I just realized I have gum in my mouth. Um, so now we have to figure out what... I'm going to do with this gum in my mouth. Would anybody like a free piece of gum? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, also, I've lost my other part of the illustration. I'm going to go, oh, there it is. But I went back there, and I didn't get rid of the gum. <laughs> okay, I'm going to swallow this gum real quick, you guys. Pray for me. Everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, start praying for your youth pastor. This thing's going in the tummy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so worked up about swallowing a piece of gum. Okay, here we go. Anybody has trouble like, like swallowing vitamins? Like I can't swallow my vitamins. I'm like a child every time I'm swallowing my vitamins. Here we go. <sighs> Pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it with some water, you guys. <laughs> oh, forget. I'm putting it on the cap. You're right. Thank you. Mm. There we go. Don't be distracted by that piece of gum for the entire message. Okay. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Head over there. It's in the New Testament. A couple things I want to point out really, really quick. Um, some things that weren't in the announcements, but I just want to share them with you. First off, where's the class of 2021? Where are you guys at? Class of 2021? Dude, congratulations. You guys basically conquered the world. Um, and, and we want to celebrate you guys. Uh, yeah, it is going to be a lunch, but it's really not a lunch. It's more like a grad party. Myself, Amber, handful of our staff, and actually, pretty much all of our pastors uh, will be here to hang out and throw you guys a little grad party. We'll be right over there in the chapel. We're going to cover lunch. We're going to do free food. We're going to have some games, all of that sort of stuff. And then we just want to kind of share our hearts and pray over you guys as um, we're about halfway through summer. Someone say, aww. As we're about halfway through summer, and uh, for many of you grads, you're heading off to um, military, and some to college, and some into the workforce, and life's just going to look different. And before you do, we just want to send you off with blessing and pray for you. Um, so that is not tomorrow, but next Thursday at 3 o'clock, about 3 to 5 o'clock, meet us here. Hit the link, uh, the link tree in our bio to go and uh, sign up. The only reason we need to sign up is so we just know how much food to buy. So, hey, spread the word to anybody else, class of 2021, that calls Bridge uh, Youth Home, that we can just celebrate and honor them. And so um, next thing, this Sunday, somebody say this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, we have a really, really, really cool opportunity to help meet some tangible needs in our community. Right around the corner is an event called Back to School Bash, and this is um, a time and a, a space and a place where we get to meet practical needs in our community. Uh, we will be giving away how many backpacks, Amber? 
We'll be giving away 1,500 backpacks, all stuffed with supplies, uh, coupons to go get haircuts, and there's going to be sports physicals, all of that. Also, we recognize that there's a handful of people in our community um, and the surrounding communities that don't have, uh, they don't have the money or the means to go school clothes shopping. And so uh, we're going to do a, a clothing drive this Sunday so that we can help meet the needs of some people in our community. How many people think that that's just dope, that we can meet some needs in our community? So cool. Here's what, I, here's what I love about Bridge Youth. You guys are so friggin' stylish. You guys look so good. And here's what I know about you, because this is me as well. There's a ton of clothes in your closet that you don't wear, and you haven't worn it in a while. But it's still really cool stuff. It's really dope stuff that uh, we don't have to just give away clothes that I'm like, ugh, we would never wear that. That stuff is so mad. No, we could give away some clothes. So why don't this week, over tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday, go in your closet, find a handful of things, throw it into a bag, uh, and bring it Sunday morning. Super easy. We're going to make it as easy as possible. When you get here, whether you get here, you drive yourself or you drive with your parents, all you got to do, take that bag of clothes, just leave it at the bumper of your car our team's going to pick it up, right? So clean out your closets, bring those old clothes. Don't bring shoes. We're not doing shoes. Um, you can bring your shoes if they're a size 10 and a half. Just leave them in my office. Um, but just bring some clothes. We get to bless some people. There was one other thing I feel like I want to say. Oh, summer camp. We are still taking summer camp waiting list spots. It looks like we're going to get these spots, another 35. And it seems, I don't know, I think there's 30 people on the waiting list right now. Is it full? Never mind, the waiting list is full, but you can jump on the waiting list still in case somebody else backs out. So, dude, this is going to be the biggest group that we've ever taken to summer camp. It is a ridiculous amount of students. It is, it is a, it moved into the this is dope amount of students to this is slightly stressful amount of students, but it's going to be absolutely amazing. You don't want to miss it. Summer camp's right around the corner. And look, Maybe jump, if you haven't jumped on the waiting list, email ay.thebridgechurch.tv to jump on it and then pray, God, maybe open up a spot for me and we'll see what happens. All right. So what did I tell you guys to head to? Matthew 5. Let's go. You guys do listen. How awesome is that? I'm going to leave that unscrewed. Evander, where are you at, buddy? When you come to grab my table, if the cap with the gum is not on the water bottle, put it on the water bottle. Just watch out for the gum, okay? But last time somebody grabbed the table and the water bottle spilled all over the... I was literally... Did anybody see that? It was like a month ago. This has nothing to do with the message. Did you? I was praying. And it was a serious prayer moment. This has nothing to do with the message, you guys. Absolutely nothing. This is literally wasting some of my time on the clock. And I'm going to ask David to restart my timer in a second because those were all announcements. But... I'm praying, like, worship bands up here, the lights are dimmed, there's people at the front, all the girls are crying, every single girl in the room was in tears, that's how you know the Holy Spirit's moving, and, and I'm like, God, will you just come, and literally, I'm, <laughs> dude, this is so bad, I shouldn't, like, laugh at this, and we shouldn't make light of this, but we're going to anyways, we're, like, praying over, like, depression and, and anxiety and people were really struggling. And it was a serious moment. It was such a cool moment. And God was moving. And as I'm praying, like, I'm kind of like, I'll, I'll have my eyes closed a lot of times. And I will pray and walk on the platform with my eyes closed a lot of times, like I'm doing right now that's stressing a lot of you out. And I'll feel my toes do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm at the tip of the stage. Let me open my eyes. Sometimes you'll see me do this where I kind of like, I'll lose my balance that way a little bit, but I come right back. And so I open my eyes to walk this way, and our, we call a stagehand, is grabbing the table. They pick up the table, and they turn to walk, and my water bottle just goes, bink, and falls over. Our stagehand, I'm not going to mention any names, Van Edwards, is, 
walking with the table and he's like, oh shoot, like he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, I'll walk faster. And he starts going. Charles, our MD, is right here with his like $8 billion guitar pedal right here. And I just see the stream of water literally like, and almost like, mid prayer. I'm like, God, would you bring breakthrough in Jesus' name for those suffering with depression? God, would you just bring, and I just snatched it right out the air. It was such a Holy Spirit moment, but hey, glory to God, you guys. (laughs) Hey, can we give it up for Van Edwards? (laughs) He said, Jesus is the wellspring of life. He's the water that if you drink, you will never be dry again. He took it way too literally, all right? All right, seriously, David, can you start my clock over? (laughs) I was just kidding, but seriously. Um, so tonight we are going to be in a, uh, we're going to be in like a mini series. I wasn't ready. We weren't ready. Someone say he wasn't ready. <laughs> we weren't quite ready to jump into our next series yet. And, and it's really so that we can give the whole month to this series. And so what we're going to be in this, uh, this month really is a sort of mini series, a sort of series between series, this segue moment. And, and it was the perfect opportunity to jump into a couple like one-off messages that's been in my heart. And we're going to dig into what has come to be known as the greatest message ever preached. And I think we can all guess who preached this message. It was Jesus. And the greatest message ever preached is found in the Gospels. And specifically, we'll be reading the version out of the uh, Gospel of Matthew. And it's found in chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's, been come, it's come to be known as uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I told Kenneth to create uh, graphics just with, you know, some mountains on it. So he chose snowy mountains. Get the picture. The Sermon on the Mount, it was preached on a mountainside in the middle of, literally the Middle East in a desert, okay? So it probably didn't look like those mountains. I'm pretty sure that's Everest, but you know, Kenneth is all artsy-fartsy and had to throw some snow in there. We're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The Sermon on the Mount. Instead of having a sermon title, I'm going to leave the sermon title placed on this greatest sermon ever preached and work off of that, the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll be in this for two, maybe the next three weeks, all depending in part on Kenneth McCow because he'll be preaching in three weeks. Trust me, you don't want to miss that. The great Charles Spurgeon said something phenomenal. He said this, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. Like, let that sink in for a moment. But he goes on to say, but the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. Let that sink in for a moment as um, I kind of lay out what tonight will be. Tonight we'll be talking about how you, look at your neighbor and say, you, Look at, you know what to do, your other neighbor, the one you just completely ignored, that you pretended like wasn't there, didn't exist, but you could smell them, so you knew they were there. Turn to them and say, yes, even you. (laughs) You are the light of the world, and God has called you to live like a light. God has called you to stand. I know that it's cliche. I know that it's like cheesy, but God has not called you to blend in. He's called you to stand out. God has not called you to be like everybody else. He's called you to be very unique. Somebody say amen. Amen. Someone's like a few people in here, a little bit too unique. You know what I'm saying? But that's how God's called you to live. 
And so almost spinning off of what it is that the great Charles Spurgeon said, here's your sermon in a sentence for tonight. Write this down. You, somebody say you, you are called to be light in the darkness, to live loud. Veronica said, amen. <laughs> to live loud, not quiet, bright, not hidden, sent with a mission. So tonight we're going to be digging into the Sermon on the Mount. As you write that down, we're moving over to Matthew chapter 5. And tonight we'll be right in the beginning parts of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're going to be in what is essentially the intro to the message. What has commonly become known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read uh, Matthew 5 verse 1 down to verse 12. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Tonight, we're about to dig into the greatest sermon ever preached. Are you guys ready? Jesus. Jesus spoke these words. I had a conversation today with my good friend Isaiah Vega, and he said, Corey, I want to read more about Jesus. I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to hear about his life. I want to dig into the character of Jesus. Uh, where should I go? I told him, go to the Gospels. And, and he was like, man, you know, I just, I'm so intrigued by Jesus. I want to know more about him. And I was like, isn't it weird that the whole world is not this intrigued by Jesus? Because whether or not you believe in his divinity, historically he lived. And this is a man that influenced the planet more than anybody else ever would, uh, ever could, ever has, more than any politician, celebrity, musician, poet, author, writer, anybody in the history of mankind. And keep in mind, Jesus influenced the world like that without trains, planes, and automobiles, without the internet, and without even a technological way of amplifying his voice. Think about this level of influence. The way we measure time is based off of this one guy's life, B.C. and A.D., and we're about to, that guy, that level of influence. You think YouTubers have influence. This guy had influence, has influence still. His influence carrying beyond his life. We're about to read the words and the intro of his greatest message ever preached. Let's kick it off in uh, verse number one. It says, one day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside. Bing, bing, bing. The sermon on the mount. <laughs> on the mount. You thought there was like a greater, more deep reason why it was called the Sermon on the Mount? No, Jesus was on the mount, and he gave a sermon. That's why it's the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, um, Greatest message ever preached. And he sat down. Imagine that. He sat down, everyone else stood up. What if it was like roles reversed every time I preached? You guys stay standing. I'm going to sit down. We're not going to do that, okay? But that's what Jesus did. He sat down, and his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. All right, now here comes what's known as the B attitudes. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, or another version says righteousness. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Another version says they will be filled. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you 
and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. And verse 12, be happy about it. <laughs> Jesus is comedy. This is the best sermon ever, ever written. And he's like, be happy about it. It's like, no, Jesus, I don't want to be happy. None of that sounds like, none of verse 11, God blesses those who, when, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and all, say all sorts of evil things about you for being my followers, be happy about it. Be, he goes on, be very glad. It's like, Jesus, stop. Like, what are you talking about? But he gives you the why. He says, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. I wonder what awaits those other people, though. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. There's the intro to the greatest message ever preached in history. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're good. Would you speak to us? God, I, don't, I didn't think I'd ever do this. But would you bless the Phoenix Suns and help my man Devin Booker win the championship? In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a seat tonight. Hey, what's the, like, the best thing you've ever heard? Like, you ever have someone say something, something so funny or so awesome or whatever, you're like, dude, that's the best thing I've ever heard. That's one of my favorite things about being a youth pastor is there's so many moments where something is said, oftentimes by junior high boys, that are just like, bro, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. So um, I was over at, uh, me and Amber, we were over at some near and dear friend's uh, house, the, the Dunn family. Uh, you saw Laura playing drums and got a couple kids. And then if you ever see a beautiful, uh, beautiful Puerto Rican man with a beautiful mustache walking around, his name's Danny Dunn. I would kill for that mustache for one. For two, the man's a firefighter and he cooks and he cleans and he's more of a man than I'll ever be, but that's neither here nor there. We're at their house and we're hanging out. Uh, it was, it was uh, Kai's birthday, right? I don't know. Kai's here somewhere. I don't know where he's at. Kai. Kai, it was your birthday, right? We were over at your house for your birthday when Josh and, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyways, uh, we're at the house for Kai's birthday. We're in the backyard. Got a, they got a basketball court in the backyard. We're in the backyard and um, some of our students, Kai's, some of Kai's friends, uh, Josh and Gary, they were back there. They're playing two on two and like everybody, they start, they start chirping. They start like talking trash on each other, all this. The thing, the funny thing was, was like, um, they started like talking trash about like, yeah, yeah, but like, tell me this though. Like, how come I didn't see you at, how come I didn't see you at youth group for the last two weeks? He's like, oh, well, tell me this. You just got a job, right? You've been giving your tithes and offerings. And they're starting to compete about like who's more godly or something. And so uh, they're just going, going, and going, and going. So I grab, uh, I grab Josh and, and, uh, and, and I grab Gary, grab Josh and Gary. And I'm like, hey, okay, we're going to settle it right now. Bible trivia. I never saw two kids get more like hyped about Bible trivia in my whole life. Like nobody gets hyped about Bible trivia. I just thought it'd be funny. And they're like, oh yeah, bet. No, I know my Bible. I know my Bible. You know, your, I know my Bible. I'm about to tear you up in this Bible trivia. Like you guys are ridiculous for one. And there was a moment where like I heard one of the best things I've ever heard in my whole life. I go, so here, here's how we're doing it. We're saying, all right, I'm going to say the question. And as soon as I'm done with the question, you guys have to, boom, raise your hand. Whoever raises their hand first, we're going to call on you. Give us the answer. Don't say anything unless we're calling you. It's like, okay, cool. And so I'm like, all right, who did Jesus raise from the dead? And Josh goes, boom, right here. I was like, yes. He goes, uh, ludicrous. <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus. <laughs> the dude said, 
Jesus raised ludicrous from the dead. Bro, is that not the best thing you've ever heard? One time uh, we were at the house and and I want to say that this was you, Isaiah. I don't know if it was, but we were playing Mafia one night. Um, anybody ever play Mafia? I will, tear, I will tear your mental up in Mafia. You will leave. Veronica barely knew us, and we played Mafia. I manipulated her mind in that game. She's like, I can't believe you're a pastor. You're bold-faced lying to me. I was like, it's a game, Veronica. Calm down. And, and in the middle of one of the games, the boys ask, and, and trust me, I'm not making light of this at all in any way, shape, or form, but it was an honest question. They said, hey, Pastor Corey, um, would you answer this question for us really quick? Um, if somebody were to commit suicide, do they, do they go to, could they go to heaven? And so I start digging into like all the intricacies of that question because that's a really deep question. And there's some people that have built some really non-biblical theologies around that, um, that question. And, and so I literally give like a 10, 15 minute response. And, you know, I often will ask the why to the what. Why did you ask the what question that you just asked? Why? So I say, hey, like, why would you guys ask that? To that question, they respond, oh, because we were talking like if there was a zombie apocalypse and you were just done and you committed, like, which could you still go to heaven? I was like, bro, this is youth ministry, okay? Serious question coming from the most, like, the, the, the funniest, like, like, genesis, you know? Was it, like, the best thing that you've, that you've ever heard? Well, here we are at the forefront of what has been come to known as, like, the best, greatest message ever preached in the history of mankind. So tonight, we're going to dig into this. And, and we're going to dig into, this is, this is literally, like, Jesus giving the best life advice. Anybody ever go and ask people for advice? It's the best life advice ever given. And so we're going to dig into this tonight. Just a heads up. This is going to be a very different message. Very different. Um, uh, how, many, how many of you guys know, like, the very first thing that you do when you get on a roller coaster is you, whether it's this or this thing, is you get on that roller coaster and you, like, boom, you strap in, you get ready to go. I don't know if you're like me, then I always do the test. What's the test, Corey? And when I get on Goliath, I put the little thing over m- my body, and then I grab it, and I push as hard as I can upward to make sure I'm not going anywhere. If I put this thing down, boom, I put it right there, get my hands right here, and I push as hard as I can just to make sure I'm not going anywhere, okay? So like, strap in, get ready, because we are going to move tonight. Typically, we'll have like two or three points and dig deep into those points. There are nine Beatitudes. We're going to hit every one tonight quickly. So write this down. Here we go. How many people know that, how many people believe that I can get through these nine Beatitudes in the next 25 minutes, according to my clock? About to prove, I'm about to prove none of you wrong. Here we go. Point number one. (laughs) We'll see. Point number one, write this down. Broke. Parentheses. Poor in spirit. Matthew chapter five, verse number three. God blesses those who are poor. Somebody say poor. And realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And we're going to talk about right now, broke. Somebody shout broke. Somebody look at the neighbor and say, you broke. (laughs) Hopefully that wasn't a girl telling her boyfriend broke. (laughs) Here's the thing though. We are not talking because some people be like, oh, see, this is why you're not supposed to have money as a Christian. Stupid. That's not what he's saying. That's not what, that's the, you are not blessed if you are broke and you's like, like you, like I can't go to church because I can't even put gas in the car. Like the car, oh, that's right. I don't have a car. Like I got a bicycle, but the bicycle tires, the inner tubes popped and I ain't got the money to put no inner tubes on the bike so I could get to church. So I'm going to walk. 
oh, I ain't got no shoes because I don't got money to go buy no shoes, not even Skechers, like not even second, third hand Skechers. Like that's not the kind of blessed are those people. Like that's not what he's saying, okay? Um, what he's saying is those who are poor in spirit. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor Corey? That means this. It means just like if you are poor, if you are, if you are broke, someone say broke, <laughs> someone say baroque, <laughs> If you are Baroque, literally, what does that mean? That means you have a need, right? I've been to third world countries, and, and they're plagued with needs. There are a lot of needs, tangible needs, shelter, food, healthcare, that sort of stuff. And in the same way, when you're poor in spirit, what is that? that? That's you are in need. Here's what it means to be poor in spirit. You realize your need for God. Do you realize tonight, young person, you need God? Not you want God. You need God. Most people do not realize that. Most Americans especially do not realize that. But do you? Because Jesus said, blessed are those who realize their need for God. There's point one. Point number two. I told you we're moving quick. Write this down. Sad. First broke, now sad. How encouraging is the greatest message ever preached in the history? It's those who mourn. Verse number four says, God blesses those who mourn. I kind of like the uh, New International Version. It sounds a little bit more poetic. It sounds a little bit more old school. Instead of says, God, God blesses, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I think that really Jesus is alluding to two types of, of mourning, two types of sadness here. Number one, brokenheartedness. I think he's talking about brokenheartedness, first of all. When you mourn and you're brokenhearted, maybe you've lost somebody close to you. And, and there's nothing like the sting of death when it comes to somebody that you love. And, and maybe you've lost somebody close to you. Maybe your family is currently in the middle of a sort of broken situation, and you, and you find yourself heartbroken over this and, and mourning. Maybe you do find yourself actually literally emotionally sad, often even even uh, uh, um, to the point of tears in your eyes, sad. I think that he's talking about that. But here's the interesting thing that he follows it up with. They will be comforted. Man, if you're mourning, if you're sad, if you're brokenhearted, if you're going through something, if you've lost somebody, then you will be comforted. And one of the things that I really feel in this moment of the message to share, I wrote it in bold italics. You know it's important if it's in my notes in bold italics. It's this. If you, are, if you find yourself brokenhearted, can I just encourage you? God is close to you. He's not far from you. Come on. God is close to you. He's not far from you. In the Psalms, it says that God actually draws near to those who are brokenhearted. There's a unique nearness that God has to those who are brokenhearted. So yes, I believe that God is talking, Jesus is talking here about those who, who are dealing with a, a mourning that's caused by being um, uh, brokenhearted. But I also believe he's talking about, you might want to write this down, it might be a new term to you, uh, sorrowful repentance. Sorrowful repentance. I believe that Jesus is also talking about those who are mourning over their own brokenness their own sin, their own mistakes. But also those people will be comforted. They'll be comforted because of the grace that they find in Jesus, because of the forgiveness that they find with God. But there is this sense and a moment of, not that we're supposed to live there, not that we're supposed to camp there. See, some Christians think that you should just live there. Like, you ever meet those Christians that, that um, I, I like to call it false humility? 
People are just like, Christians who walk around like, we're so, we're, we're so terrible. We're so bad. I'm like, I'm the worst of the worst of the worst. We're worms. I feel like they're that one motivational, motivational speaker that's always like, just eat dirt. What's his name, Ivan? Literally eat dirt. <laughs> who? Gary V. Don't, don't watch him. If you're online right now, don't switch over on YouTube, Gary V. All he's going to do is tell you to eat dirt, literally eat dirt, like, <laughs> and then you'll make millions of dollars. What? Like, that makes no sense. But it's like, there's some Christians who are just like so, like, they're constantly like, I'm so sinful, I'm so terrible. And then they'll see other people sin and they'll be like, oh, oh don't you go around walking all forgiven too quickly. You need to cry yourself to sleep for like years over how you've messed up. No, you don't live in it, but there is a moment. Man, there is a moment where you look over your shoulder and you go, dude, I am so broken and I've messed up so much. And you almost have this sense of mourning. I don't know about you, but the best way that I could explain that is when I looked over my shoulder at the last 15 years of my life, when I, I was 15 years old, when I gave my life to Jesus. And what I mourned over, it wasn't necessarily, oh, I messed up so bad. I'm so terrible. I'm the worst. I can't believe it. God could never love someone as terrible as me. No, I looked over my shoulder and went, dang, I wasted a lot of time. Man, 15 years that I could have given to living for God, and I wasted that time. I believe that he's also talking about those people who are mourning, but they will also receive comfort. Man, have you messed up? Have you sinned? Do you have almost a mourning in your heart because you're like, dude, I'm brokenhearted over the mistakes that I've made? You have your moment of sorrowful repentance, and then you lean into what he said next. Be comforted. How can I be comforted, Corey? Like, I've messed up so much, so bad. Well, there's grace. Yeah, but I've I've ruined relationships. Yeah, but God can restore them. And he can take all things and turn them for your good and for his glory. Romans 8, 28. But we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Moving on, point number three. I told you we're moving fast. Write this down. Get low. Look at your neighbor. Say, calm down. In parentheses is the word humble. Write down the word humble. Verse number five, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Who wants to inherit the whole earth? <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I don't, I, I will tell you right now, I'm not even entirely sure what Jesus is trying to say right there, but it sounds good, right? It says, God blesses those who are humble, for, he, for, for they will inherit the whole earth. And, and the word humble here, it means to get low, biblically speaking. It's almost to have this almost lowly, attitude, to be humble. See, when, when you come to God, like, you don't have to come to God with anything, really. The Bible talks about come just exactly as you are. God loves you exactly as you are. Just come exactly as you are. This, I remember a, a little while ago, um, we had some students who were inviting some of their friends to church, and, and their friends kept saying, I can't go to church. I can't go to church. And they finally were like, dude, why can't you go to church? And they're like, bro, I don't got any church clothes. And they're like, what are you talking about church clothes? They're like, I don't got church clothes. Like, I ain't got, like, suit, tie, you know, church clothes. They're like, bro, come in your pajamas. We don't care. Like, just come to church, man. We got kids who come straight from baseball practice still because God loves baseball, I guess. Um, like, still covered in dirt. Like, we don't care. Come exactly as you are, right? Like, God loves you exactly. You don't have to come to God with anything but except for pretty much one thing. And that one thing's humility. One thing's humility. Because if you come to God and you say, I'm going to put my faith in you, you're automatically saying, you're God, I'm not. 
It's saying, you're perfect, and I'm not. It's saying, God, I need you, and you don't necessarily need me. But I do need your forgiveness. So if we are to come to God, we have to come to God with humility. I think that this is one of the number one reasons why a lot of people never come to God. They never surrender, because they can't approach him with humility. Think about all the pride that there is in our culture, and our society. I think it's one of the top reasons why a lot of people never come to God. Here's a hint about, uh, about humility. The word humility, um, another version uses the word meekness instead of humility. In the original language, it's the Greek word praus, P-R-A-U-S, if you want to write it down, P-R-A-U-S. And this means literally strength under control. That's what humility is. See, meekness isn't weakness. It's actually strength under control. See, uh, meekness isn't weakness. Humility isn't weakness. Humility is, I know I could beat you up. I just don't have to. (laughs) Humility is when somebody thinks that they're funny and you're like, I am the wittiest person that you've ever met. And I could tear you down right now. I could tear you down with my words. And I can make you look stupid in front of everybody. Trust me, I have got 25 jokes on deck and half of them have to do with your teeth, okay? And I can hit you with all of them, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to use my words to build you up, not beat you up. See, I could, but I'm not going to. See, I have the ability, but instead of exercising that ability, I'm going to exercise humility. That's humility. Humility is, <laughs> I did not plan to share this, and actually Noah had to work tonight. He's going to be here, so I'm going to share it instead. Humility is when you're at LA Fitness playing basketball, and some, some little sophomore in high school that's five foot three and 120 pounds soaking wet is trying to fight Noah Southall. And Noah's like, nobody's mad but you, buddy, which made that kid really mad. He's like, calm down. The kid's like, step outside then. And he's like, why would I step outside? It's air conditioned in here. It's not out there. It's hot outside. And like, that's, that's humility. Humility is, I don't, have, I don't have to prove to you that I'm somehow stronger or bigger or better or I can mouth off better than you and I can tear you down more than you could tear me down. No, no, that's not humility. That's not meekness. See, humility and meekness, it's actually strength under control. Oh, but I don't have much control. You're right. It's not strength under your control. It's strength under God's control. Putting that strength in God's hands. Humility is strength under control. Here's a really quick hint at humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. That's what a lot of people think. That's those, going back to those same Christians, we're, we're worms. We're so terrible. No, humility is not thinking less of, how are you like, I'm so terrible, I'm such a worm, and then God's like, oh, you're my masterpiece. Which one is it? (laughs) See, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Because how often do you think of yourself? I think of myself all the time. Wake up in the morning, and I'm like, Cocoa Pebbles. (laughs) My first thought. (laughs) I wake up in the morning, it's like, I don't want to wake up in the morning, I'm going back to sleep. Typically, our first thought is of ourselves. Humility is, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Point number four, told you we're moving. Write this down. Starving and thirsty. Look at your neighbor, the second one that you usually choose second. Ask him, are you thirsty? Hold up, hold up. In parentheses, it says hunger and thirst for righteousness, all right? Verse number six, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. What do you hunger and thirst for? What do you hunger and thirst for? 
there's a saying, um, one man's trash is another man's treasure. One man's trash is another man's treasure. But here's the thing is that we often treasure that which belongs in the trash and we consider trash that which holds very high value. I can't say it again. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'll read it. <laughs> Too often we treasure the things that belong in the trash and we undervalue things that are a treasure. Dude, like how true is that? How often do we, do, we, do we absolutely undervalue the things in life that are actually a treasure? And then we pursue all these things that really do belong in the trash. Um, I want you to think back to a moment in your life right now. The hungriest you've ever been. <laughs> Has anybody ever fasted? Anybody actually fasted? Bro, that, more of us should have fast. If we should do a fast together as Bridge Youth. And like, you might be saying, what's a fast, Corey? It's not eating and praying instead. I know what you're thinking. Same thing I think every time I think about fasting. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but it's, it's, and, and it's one of those things, right, that's like in the Bible. Pra, uh, fast, why? To pray, why? Uh, because there's spiritual significance. Why? Oh, <laughs> but like God said to do it and Jesus said to do it. And so, you know, I do it. And then there's like actually really cool things that happen when, when we do that. Um, maybe for you, the hungriest you've ever been is uh, a moment when you fasted. Um, I fasted for 14 days one time and I ended that fast by eating a buffalo chicken pizza. Worst idea I've ever done. You can't just not eat for 14 days and then eat buffalo chicken pizza. It tears your stomach up. You have to go into a fast the right way and then exit a fast the right way if it's going to be a long one, right? But think about the moment. Maybe you were on a diet. Maybe you're on a diet. Who's ever gone on a diet? Ungodly people. What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Um, and maybe you're like, oh gosh, like I'm so hungry. Maybe you're, maybe you're playing a sport. You know one of the hungriest moments of your whole life? Tell me I'm wrong. When you've been swimming all day. You're hanging out in the pool and then you like get out of the pool and you're like, I did not realize while I was in the pool, I'm starving to death. <laughs> like, I'm withering into nothing, right? I want you to think, what did you crave in that moment? The, the hungriest you've ever been, what did you crave? What's the one thing? It's like, I want fill in the blank, okay? The count of three, shout it out, whatever it is that you crave. You want that food. One, two, three, go. First off, who said salad? Salad? <laughs> For real, salad. Like, straight, straight up salad. All right. <laughs> You're going to be looking good your whole life, my man. <laughs> so, bro, wings. Wings. Like almost every time, wings, dude. I don't, you say, from where? Anywhere. I don't care. Give me some wings. Sushi. Woo! Sushi. Love sushi. If I'm super hungry, get down on some, sh some sushi. Tell me that In-N-Out isn't the best smelling thing you've ever smelled when you're hungry as heck, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you are hungry, does anybody else just randomly go, dang, I want to get down on some broccoli? <laughs> that's, that's the response I expected. Um, so I was a vegetarian for how long, Amber? How long were we vegetarian? Three years. Like three years I was a vegetarian. You might ask, Corey, why would you do that? Don't worry. I have since repented, okay? Um, but, but. Uh, I, you say, why, Corey? I don't, I look, I was on the internet for too long. That's the long story short. So the internet too long, look at stuff up. I woke up on a Thursday morning. I remember it was a Thursday because this is the day after youth. And I told Amber, I was like, hey, babe, 
I don't think I'm going to eat meat anymore. She said, uh-oh, because she knows me. When I say something like that, it holds some weight. And then we didn't eat meat for three years, okay? I grew up hating broccoli, bro, hating broccoli. Or so I thought. Because when you become a vegetarian, your, your diet becomes much less selective. You have to begin to eat some things that you didn't ever really want to eat. To this day, call me crazy. I know I'm about to get crucified for this. Don't kill me, white women. I don't like avocados. Like, I don't like avocado. You're like, would you like some avocado toast? What, avocado toast for what? It's $17. Like, what? It's avocado and bread, bro. I can make that for 50 cents, like, from the grocery store. You're going to charge me $17 in Taza? What's the matter with you? <laughs> no shade at Taza. Love Taza. I was in Taza today, okay? But I had to eat avocados. Never really liked them. But dude, started eating broccoli. The weirdest thing happened. I fell in love with broccoli. I'm as surprised as you. We started cooking broccoli in every which way. The best way was we would cook broccoli. We put a bunch of paprika over it and then Parmesan cheese. Went crazy when I was a vegetarian. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's something I learned when I was a vegetarian because I was curious. I was like, how come, I, how come I'm loving all these things that I used to hate? And starting to look it up, I, I realized that scientifically proven, you crave what you eat. You crave what you eat. Because I started forcing myself to eat broccoli, my body started to tell me, you like broccoli. And I would be here at the office message prepping. Because that's how I message prep. And I'd be like, huh, I really want some broccoli. It was so weird. What is it that you're feeding yourself? Not, not, not physically. Because I think that this, I think this, 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 this physical rule carries over into the spiritual. What are you eating? Do you hunger and thirst for the world? Or do you hunger and thirst for Righteousness. And I bet that the answer to that question is highly dependent on what you're feeding more. And here's the thing. Probably all of us, we, we, we probably crave both at certain times. But which craving stronger and which craving wins? I bet the craving that will win, whether you crave the world, whether you hunger and thirst for what the world has to offer you, that I promise you will leave you empty, will leave you more depressed than before. There isn't a party that, that will fulfill you. There isn't a substance that will make you feel whole. There is no relationship on planet Earth other than one with Jesus that will give you your identity. Do you hunger and thirst for what the world has to offer, or do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Probably at times, you teeter-totter from both, because all of us do. We're sinful creatures. But which hunger, which craving is the one that wins? Probably it depends on what you consume more. So you're starving, you're thirsty, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Number five, show compassion. Parentheses, merciful. It says in verse number seven, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Really quick, by a show of hands, who wants God's mercy? Mo, if your hand ain't up, it should be up. We need God's mercy. Like, we need God's mercy. No problem, just show mercy. Just show mercy. It's just really interesting. I went to the original language and I dug up this, uh, this word. And in the Greek, it's the word alimon, which uh, is, it's merciful, but here's, here's what it means. This, is, this was so interesting to me. I'm kind of a Bible nerd, like I nerd out over the Bible. Let me nerd out over the Bible for a moment. The, the, the actual, like, literal meaning of this mercy, this kind of mercy, showing this mercy, is to act consistently with the revelation of God's covenant. 
to act consistency, cons- consistent with the revelation of God's covenant. What's God's covenant? Hey, I have sent Jesus, and if you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, you are forgiven, you are whole, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So it's looking at everybody like that. That's what it means to show mercy. I know what you're thinking, the same thing I'm thinking. That's really hard because people are annoying. <laughs> That's really hard because people are frustrating. People are aggravating. How do you look at people? Uh, uh, Isaiah, as you, as you start digging into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the stories of, the, of Jesus' life, you're going to run across a saying um, and pay attention to this saying. It'll say, Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them. Really interestingly, this isn't really in the notes. This one's for free. It's all for free. But uh, every time that it says Jesus had compassion on them, it was followed by an action. See, because compassion without action is not compassion. It's just passion. You could be passionate about a lot of stuff that you don't do nothing about. I'm passionate about Pokemon. I bet you are. <laughs> in, um, but compassion for people will always be followed by action. And oftentimes, through the New Testament, you'll see the saying, Jesus looked at them and he had compassion on them. One time, there was 5,000 people who were hungry. Some of you guys are the absolute most ridiculous person when you get hangry. You are like, you, you will trample over anybody. Hey, <laughs> Kai, can I, Kai, Kai Dunn, can I tell him, can I tell him the Red Robin uh, pickle story? Okay, he said yes. We, we were hanging, me, uh, me, Amber, Paige, and Kai were hanging out one time, and we went to Red Robin, and, and we, get, we, we get Red Robin, and we order, and then Kai tells the people, hey, I'm going to get blah, 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 burger, um, no pickles. How many else is in this room, you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and know that pickles are disgusting? Pickles suck. They're terrible. Kai agrees. Kai's like, no pickles, man. I don't want any pickles on the burger. And so what happens is the burger gets there. Guess what's on the burger? Pickles. Kai, Kai hits the waiter with one of these. The waiter comes over. He says, excuse me. He was very polite about it. He's very polite. He's just like, hey, excuse me. I said no pickles on my burger. Can you remake. Everybody say remake. Can you remake my burger for me? And the guy's like, hey, I'm so sorry. You definitely said no pickles. Let me go ahead and do that. He leaves. The guy's now coming back with the basket and he sees him. Kai looks over at me. Pretend you're me. Kai looks over at me and he goes, if they just took the pickles off, I'm sending it back. Bro, I literally, because I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that's like, there could be razor blades in my burrito, and I'm going to be like, it's so good. Thank you. So, <laughs> like, that'll be me. Like, I, I, I don't want to, like, make anybody feel awkward. Like, I hate that, you know? Um, and so I'm literally like, dear God in heaven, please let there be no pickle juice on this bun. <laughs> like, so Kai, like, opens it, inspects, and he's like, it's good. <laughs> 
Like, I know some of you. When you're hungry, you're ridiculous. Jesus looked at a crowd of 5,000, and probably it was really more like 10,000, because in that day and age, they only counted the men, so there would have been men, women, and children. So there's likely 10,000 plus people there who were hungry. Jesus, people, uh, feed us. And then, and then the disciples are like, Jesus, send everybody away so they could go get food. And Jesus goes, no, I have compassion on them. You feed them. They're like, huh? <laughs> Man, like, when you look at people, like, how do you see them? How do you view them? When you're standing in line and, and you're waiting for your meal and there's somebody in front of you, how often do we think like this? Oh, my God, you're in my way. You're slow. When you are driving in your car and the light turns green and they're not moving, how often do we go, you're slowing down my life? Precious moments. The Bible said life is like a vapor. It's here one moment, gone the next. And you're, you're messing with my vapor. How do you look at people? When, ladies, when you're out with your boyfriend and she walks by in nothing, you're like, that is not an outfit. I'm pretty sure that's dental floss. I don't care that we're at the beach. That's not appropriate. And you're like, you're like covering your boyfriend's eyes. Like, this is not okay. And then you look, how do you, ladies, how do you look at her? Ugh, I believe you. You nasty. Shout out, that's so Raven. Such a good show. <laughs> How do we, when you look at people, guys, when you look at the dude that's like, you, you know this guy? I hate this guy. I don't hate him. I love him. I'm sorry. I don't hate anybody, God. I repent. <laughs> I know. Hey, man, did you know that? Uh, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You? Yeah, I know. You know? I know. I know that you don't know, but I know. Like, dude, you don't know. Dude, I hate I know people. I don't hate them. I love them. God, I keep saying that. God. <laughs> I mean, God's dealing with my heart. Okay, I need to show mercy, so he'll show me mercy. I know, ugh. Like, but how do you view people? How do you view people? What if we just had compassion? What if we just showed mercy? What if we began to look at people like God looks at them? What if we started to look at people not for how they are right now, but how they could be in Christ? Because wouldn't that be pretty consistent with the revelation of God's covenant? Oh, man, they're... They are a mess right now, but so was I before Jesus. So I'm just going to believe in them and love them. And also, by the way, mercy is the, the ability to forgive when you can punish. You could, you could punish them, but instead you forgive. And if you want God's mercy, you've got to show mercy. All right, number six, write this down, wholesome. I just love wholesome stuff, you know? Like just things that are wholesome. It's so fun. Pure heart is what I'm talking about. Verse number eight, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. You ever meet somebody and you just think, guys, you ever, dudes, you ever meet someone and you just think, dang, they're a good dude. Just such a good dude. Solid guy, you know? Ladies, you ever meet somebody, ladies, you ever meet someone and you're like, man, she's, she is just, she's just a solid lady. She's just, no, yeah, ladies never think that about another girl. Ladies are crazy. <laughs> Ladies look at other ladies and they do this. <laughs> Guys look at another guy and they're like, solid dude, you know? This is solid dude. <laughs> like, like, you ever meet someone and you just think they're the real deal? God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Verse 8, hearts are pure for they will see God. <whistles> they will see God. They will see God. Here's the thing about your heart. Um, you can do the right thing with the wrong heart. You can look real good and be real bad. 
So many care about the exterior, but what about the interior? Because it's really easy to hide an ugly heart behind a pretty face. There ain't enough makeup in the world to cover that ugly soul. We're so worried about the exterior. Cool. Like, we're, there's nothing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, when I said, oh, you know, it's really easy to hide an ugly heart behind a pretty face. Ladies in the room, I'm not saying if you're pretty, you have an ugly heart. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> All the pretty girls in the room, which is every single one, okay? Uh, some people are fearfully, <laughs> some people are fearfully made. Some people are wonderfully made. Which one are you? <laughs> people are just like, the girls are like, wait, but I, I'm kind of pretty. Does that mean like I'm terrible on the inside? That's not what I'm saying. Like, please, for the love of God, ladies, do not get down with the like, yeah, don't take care of yourself ever. Like, no, not at all. Don't brush your hair. Don't shower. Don't shave your armpits. And you know what? The world's got to deal with it. Awesome, honey. Like, have fun being single your whole life, all right? Like, because you're going to go date the guy that smells like BO 24-7? I wouldn't. And I believe that the, out, <clears throat> the outside is a reflection of the interior at some point in time, okay? If you ain't taking care of yourself on the exterior, it might be a reflection of something going on on the interior, but that's not the message. Let's get back to the point. You, think about this. It's so crazy that the world loves this saying, only God can judge me. <laughs> I have friends who have that like tattooed, like a friend who has that tattooed across his chest, only God can judge me. Yeah, and that should scare the heck out of you. Because <laughs> think for a moment, think about this. You can hide things from your friends. You do it every day on Instagram. Ladies, you take 100 pictures, and then you post the one that you feel. You hide 99 of those pictures. Guys, we see you. When you're, like, taking that gym photo, your arm is pressed against your side so that the bicep pushes a little bit. I would do the same thing if I had any biceps to push towards the picture. Let me see. You, hide, you can hide things from your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Bro, you can even hide things from your parents. Trust, mom will find out. I swear to you. And if your mom is saved, bro, Samuel Coleman, where are you at? You can't get rid of it. You can't get away with nothing, bro. Your mom, the Holy Spirit talks to her on the daily, like the daily, bro. You'll get, and the Holy Spirit will snitch you out to your mom. I'm telling you. You think you can hide things from your parents. You kind of, sometimes, some of you have. And you're like, I've hit. But you can't hide anything from God. Nothing. Isn't that crazy? God knows everything that you've ever done. Only God can judge me. Yeah, that should scare you. It scares me. That's where the fear of God comes in, right? Not only does God know everything that you've ever done, God knows everything that you've ever thought about. What if right now, we were to have some technology that we could take some plug and plug that mess into your ear, and then all of your thoughts began to get transmitted onto all of these screens right here. You're like, unplug, unplug! Like, <laughs> God knows everything that's ever gone through your mind, everything that's ever gone through your heart. God knows it, knows all of it. And you can't hide that. That's why, for me, I pray this all the time. It's a prayer from Psalm chapter, I don't, I don't think that the team has this. It's Psalm 5110, if you want to write that down. Psalm 5110. And I pray this all the time. The psalmist said this, the cry of my heart so much. God, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. All right, we're moving on. 
point seven, wage peace. Be a peacemaker. So many people wage war, wage peace. Verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Isn't it crazy that we live in a day and age where so many people are absolutely causing chaos? They're infatuated with it. And in fact, they are causing chaos in the name of love. Like, cut it out. It says, actually, in, in, in this, it says that they will be called the children of God. Who? Those who work for peace. Those who fight for peace. They will be called the children of God. Let me ask you really quick. What seems to follow your life? Chaos or peace? All right, let me say it like this. What seems to follow your life? Peace or drama? As a youth pastor, there are certain students that anytime there's drama, anytime there's trouble, anytime there's chaos, anytime there's gossip, somehow they're in the middle of it. It's like, how? How are you always in the middle of the problems? Like, I don't want to constantly be having to talk to you and talk to your parents. And to, but how are you always in the middle of all the problems? And a lot of times they'll be like, well, you know, like my friends, my friends, I was hanging out with these guys and it's all them. And like, it's like, okay, cool. And then there's, it happens again. It's like, well, I was dating this girl and this girl, she's crazy, this girl, she's got me in all this trouble. And then this happens over here. And they're like, well, the thing is, it's the teacher. It's not me, the teacher. He's out to get me, man. And math sucks. Like, ugh, you know? And I'm like, you're the common denominator. If drama seems to follow your life, if chaos seems to follow your life, if gossip seems to follow your life, just take a step back in humility, one of the other Beatitudes, and be like, huh, I'm the common denominator. And then just be somebody that becomes a peacemaker. How? How can I become a peacemaker? Like this, be a unifier. Write down the word unity. Everybody say unity. Be somebody who brings people together and they don't tear people apart. Be inclusive, not exclusive. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, I'd rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. Ladies, hear me ladies, I would much rather be, in, I would much rather be excluded for who I have included than included for who I have excluded. All right, number eight, persecuted for doing what's right. Blessed are those, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what's right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I'll tell you this, people will always try to pull you down for trying to go up. People will always, it's amazing how often people will wrong you for doing right. Don't be surprised by it. There's not much to be said here, just don't be surprised when people wrong you for doing what's right. Because the moment that you start living for the kingdom the moment you start living for the kingdom, there's a target on your back, which leads us to our last point, which is put down. And he really digs into basically mocked, persecuted, lied, and gossiped about. Verse number 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and all sorts of, and they say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Verse 12, where Jesus gets all hilarious about it. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Okay, let me get this straight. Some dorks are going to say some things about me that aren't true, and I get an all-expenses paid trip to absolute paradise for all of eternity. I'll take that deal every single time. <laughs> like, realize that when people, if you are person, I am not talking about you inviting someone to church and they say, no, thank you. That's not persecution. Cut it out. I'm not saying you posted a Bible verse on your Instagram and it got, you know, five less likes than your last post and your last post got five likes. So like, 
That's not persecution. What I'm saying is when people mock you, people persecute you, when people lie about you, when people gossip about you, just know this, that the more you live for God and the more good you do and the more kingdom work you're a part of, the more people will talk. And all the school and ministry students said amen. <laughs> so they know it's true. Just know that. But I'll take that trade anytime. But here's all you have to do. Just be what you are, not what they call you. Just be what you are, not what they call you. And there's the Beatitudes. So the band heads up and we close this down tonight. Um, Pray some of those sink in for you. But as we close this, um, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. It's, 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 it's the um, absolute best way you can live your life. It's the best way that, that, that we can live our lives. It's the best advice that you could ever be given. And, and it's the intro to the greatest message ever preached. And then he segues into this, which is so interesting to me. He goes, all right, now let's talk about salt and light. And you're like, what? Salt? Yeah, salt and light. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown away and trampled underfoot as worthless. And he says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop, it can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket or a bowl. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And I read that um, because what we'll often do is we'll segment the Bible too much and we'll say that, oh, this verse and section ended here. So, you know, this is a whole different, no, this was actually a continual message. And so this portion follows the Beatitudes. And I thought, such a weird transition. Like greatest message ever preached. It's kind of a weird... And then it sort of dawned on me and I realized how perfect it actually is. Jesus gives the Beatitudes. The greatest way that you could live your life. Nine things that'll be the answers to go and read the Beatitudes all this week. These are nine things that will, that, that, that will shape your life for the good, I promise. It's the best way that you could live. And then he says, start living like that. And what you are is, you're like light. You're like light. And how dark's the world right now? And he says, you're like light. And the best way I can illustrate this is just let the, let the scripture preach for itself. So I'm going to play with fire. Praise God. Um, hey, uh, David on lights, could you actually like pretty much, other than the LEDs behind me maybe, can you like black out the room? How romantic. Can you kill the floods right there? Are you able to do that? You know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. Okay, there's, there's the movers. What are the floods in front of me? The white one's right there. There we go. Now we're talking. Now you can see the light. Um, first off, obvious, light always shines brightest the darker that it is the darker we make this room the brighter that this light's going to shine 
dude, how stupid would it be if I lit this? And what if it was the only light that we had in the whole room and we had to like figure out how to get out of here? This light, by the way, like we saw a tarantula in our parking lot back there. So if this whole room goes black, I'm using this candle to make sure there's no tarantulas like killing everybody, all right? And everybody would be like, oh, like bring the light closer to me. Like, oh, I need to see where I'm going. And imagine like none of our cell phone flashlights were working. Like we'd all be like, we need this light. And how dumb would it be? We'd be like, okay, hold up. Before we like use this light, I'm going to take this, you know, this bowl, this cup, and I'm going to put it, I'm just going to put it right over it. Like just, I'm going to protect the light, you know, like I'm going to just keep the light right there so that nobody can hurt it or harm it or anything like that. I'm just going to kind of hide this thing right over here. What will happen is that the longer that it's under there, I mean, you're already seeing what's happening, is that slowly but surely you cover the light and it will go out. That was kind of perfectly timed. Um, what would this symbolize in your life? The Beatitudes are all laid out. You're ready to live them. Maybe you're already living them out. But you've taken something and you've put it right over that light. I just said, yeah, God, I know you've done that, but like, I kind of don't want my friends to see yeah, God, you've shown me mercy. I'm going to show mercy. I just don't want to do that, like, on my sports team. God, you've forgiven me, but God, I don't know that I want to forgive them. What, what is that for you? Because Jesus just says flat out, that's foolishness. Nobody would do that. But how much of the world is doing that? So we're going to take a few moments to pray. Um, the very first beatitude was this. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit who realize their need for God. Do you realize your need for God tonight? You're going to have a chance to respond to that realization that you need him. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you're in this place and you said, Pastor Corey, I am realizing that right now. I need God. I have almost a mourning in my spirit because I have sinned and I've messed up. And I want forgiveness and I want freedom. Right now, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in a really simple way. When I'm, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand and put it right back down. If that's you, say, Pastor Corey, I, I realize my need for God. And I want to start a relationship with him right now. I read an extremely cheesy quote on Instagram the other day, and I thought this will preach. I'm not trying to give you religion. Here's, here's what the... Here's what the quote said. It says, religion is, I've messed up. My father's going to kill me. Relationship, relationship is, I messed up. I need to call my father. And this is just you calling on your heavenly father, saying I need you. So if that's you, when I get to three, would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? You want to give your life to Jesus. This is your moment. This is your time. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Man, ton of hands. Anybody else? so cool so cool proud of you proud of you you can put your hands down what we're going to do is we're going to pray real quick would you just repeat these simple words right after me say Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner but I know you're a savior Jesus I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead so tonight I give you my heart I give you my life I give you everything and from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. 
no turning back, and no looking back. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, it's not the end of the journey, it's the beginning. We want to get you a gift called The Next Seven Days. You get it really simply, whether you're online or in person. Just DM us the words next seven at our Instagram, at bridgeyth, and we'll handle the rest. I do want to pray over a couple more things, um, really just like hey, two things. So if you would, would you stand to your feet? If you want to worship at the front, head to the front. Um, there'll be a moment that we're going to pray here at the front. Nobody distracting anybody. But if you would, head to the front before we move into a moment of worship. Um, as, as I started digging into the Beatitudes, one of the very first ones is, is God will bless those who are mourning and they'll be comforted. And so I'm not going to build this moment up or, or anything like that, but I just felt like tonight, whether in the room or online, that there's some people who are dealing with some mourning, some people who are dealing with some tough stuff. And I just love to pray for you and pray with you. So I'm not going to put anybody on the spot or ask you to raise your hand, but really quick, just everybody in the room. Maybe that's not you. Maybe life is good. Just pray for those around you who, who might be in the room who's dealing with something really tough and maybe in a moment of mourning. So let's just pray real quick. God, thank you that you've said that you'll comfort us. God, we, we just believe you. We just believe you when you say that you will comfort us. So right now, God, we ask for comfort. Right now, God, we ask for those in the room who've maybe lost loved ones. Would you comfort them? Would you give them peace? God, I pray for those who are mourning over some mistakes that they've made. God, I pray right now as they maybe even in this moment have a moment of, of sorrowful repentance that in this moment they would also feel comforted that you've already forgiven them. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And those who are in Christ are a new creation. So we receive your comfort right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I also wanted to pray over another, another spot here that we talked about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, man, but tonight I'm just like, I really, really would love if God would just give me a newfound hunger for him. Because there's so much in the world that it's, it's absolute trash. And I don't want to hunger for that stuff. So let's take a moment and pray for that. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Maybe right now in this moment, you, you want to lift your hands. God, would you give us a hunger for you? God, above all else, over anything else, would you instill a hunger in our hearts for you? You're the only thing that will fulfill us. You're the only one who can give us our identity. It's in you that true life is found, that wholeness is found. So God, some of us right now, we hunger and thirst for, for other things. God, I pray, would you take that and replace it for a hunger for you? To get to know you. 
We're not hungering for religion. Not hungering for for ritual. Not hunger. We're not talking about a hunger for for a list of rules. We're talking about a hunger for you. Wanting to know you personally, and know the freedom that's in you. So I pray, even in these moments as we worship, God, that a hunger would build in our hearts for more of you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. God, I pray in this moment, before we move on too quickly, that we let it settle in our hearts as we give you the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship him tonight, Virginia.